Hello and welcome to Into the Foliage, hosted by me, Ryan Dalton. And me, Janet Garner. The series all about the green side of nature. Where we chat to the professionals about plants, trees, fungi, grasses and everything in between. This episode of Into the Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. As the world opens up and we're able to venture forth and go and explore again, it's essential that we have the kit we need so we don't leave nature hotspots disappointed. With that in mind, I cannot recommend Leica Spot Optics enough. Leica not only have a great range of optics for a wide range of uses, but they also offer finance plans to help people like me that would rather pay bit by bit. I'm currently using the Leica HD Ultravid, and now I can clearly see all the birds that I am also still unable to identify. Read more about Leica's range via their website in the write-up of this episode. And now, on with the show. Evening, Jan. Hello. You all right? You yeah, vegan babe. Do you know what? I'm not going to mention my T-shirt. Now people just think you're flirting with me on the podcast. <laughs> For the listeners, I'm wearing a T-shirt that says vegan babe. That's why Jan said that. Don't worry, this relationship is purely friendship on the podcast. Oh, of course he's wearing a T-shirt with vegan babe on it. Jan, it's been a while since we last spoke, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little while. How you been? Autumn is here. It's arrived. How's it looking in the garden and the allotment? Well, I've got to say the garden is still looking fairly summery. You know, I've still yeah. got quite a lot of flowers out there. Cosmos still going strong. Well, I say strong, weak, but it's still there. Um, <laughs> they would have a strong, were they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been. I've always thought that got plants for winter are a waste of time because you don't really go out there. But I'm I'm changing my view on that actually. Okay. You know, I've bought a few bits that will look quite nice over the winter. You know, if I look out the window. You know, with nice stems and foliage and stuff. So I'm changing my views on that a bit. I feel like this year has been a year of change for you, mate. <laughs> massive, massive change. You've just so told me you've given up meat. Yeah, given up meat. Yeah, but that's you, just because I don't really like it that much. I'm not being. Does that mean yeah. for years you forced it down? You didn't like. Well, no, I, I just think, especially chicken. I just, what is it? There's no no point to it, is there? Really, it don't really taste of anything. Fair one point. of the one of the other reasons was you're not allowed to touch it. You're not allowed to let it go on anything. When you're preparing it, you have to keep washing your hands, and but you're allowed to eat it, but you're not allowed to. I just thought, no, that's it's wrong. You know, just that's a. I've I've never heard someone explain it like that. It's a good point. Yeah, I just I'm thought, you know, the, the things it, it, you can so easily be poisoned from it, and I'm eating that stuff. Do you want me to buy you a vegan babe T-shirt? No, that's you're fine. Thank you. I'm, you <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I could be a yeah, vegan. Mate, mate, you can be a vegan. No, no, I like you yogurt. It's a safe too space much. here. No, I, I like, like yogurt. I, like, I do. <laughs> Sorry, that's the T-shirt I'm going to buy you. Yeah. <laughs> I like yogurt too much, just on a T-shirt. Yeah, Greek yogurt, smart <laughs> food. Can't give that um, up. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad your garden's looking good. What are your plant or garden highlights for the last, well, since we last spoke then? Oh, well, I've, I've been buying, oh, I've got some brilliant bargains this week. I've got some hydrangeas. Of course you have. I've oh. got, obviously, <laughs> £2.50 each, reduced from a tenner in B&Q. Product placement there. Um, <laughs> give me some more if you want. So, yeah, £2.50. <laughs> so that was really good. I got another shrub that I've been looking for called Pittosporum Tom Thumb that I really – no, not Tom Thumb. Yeah, it is Tom Thumb. The leaves are dark and when the yeah. new growth comes, it's like light green, so it looks really good. 
Um, what else for that? Dug me dahlias up. Got tubers all over the shop at the moment, drying out. <laughs> so they've gone massive. Like the tubers are huge. Don't really know what I'm going to do with them, but I've dug them up anyway. Even at, some at the allotment I've left in. I've left some yeah. in and I've dug some out. Um, what else? Got parsnips at the allotment. Oh, get in. Pumpkins we had. You've always done so much more than I have, especially since I've lost my garden. Well, you haven't got a garden, so it's not difficult. I know, but I've got my window (laughs) ledges. I just, you can't. I mean, you say you can't get into the garden this time of year. I can't get on the window ledge at all permanently. You can't do it. (laughs) So I've just got to hang out a sash window. The thing is, I can get in the garden because it's not even that cold, is it? I mean, you know. It's very mild. Yeah, I've been out there doing, like, I planted absolutely hundreds of bulbs, literally. About 200 alien bulbs I've put in. Jesus Christ. I know. And I've done them in pots. This is thanks to Alan Titchmarsh. I've put them in pots, <laughs> reusing my plastic, putting them in pots, and then when they come out, I'm just going to put them where I want them. So either sink the pot oh. or dump tulips the same. Been having a whale of a time out there, really. I haven't got a highlight, but there is something I've been doing that I want to talk about. As I guess it is a highlight for me, but you can't take the... <laughs> Guided. Christina got Christina got me a karcher. You know, like the Hoover karchers oh, for like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know buzzing. I was I was like my mum on Christmas morning. <laughs> I was so happy because we get a bit of condensation on the sash windows in the morning. So she got me a karcher, and I was like, yes. So I was like hoovering it off, like loving life in the morning. It's like a morning routine. And I looked, and I was like, that is a lot of water. It's about three hundred mils you get off a big sash window. I was like, that's a lot of water. And I was like. About to pour it down the sink, and I was like, "What are you doing? That's just water. Water you using it to water my house plants with." Wow! Recycling. I was like, I I did it, and I was like, "I'm telling everyone about this." Love that. (laughs) Like the man in the shop down the road hates me because I'm like, "Mate, I've got this carcher, right?" (laughs) He's like, "I don't care. (laughs) Just give me five and ninety-nine." That's good though. That is good to reuse, and I I think you do have to try. Yeah, I mean that's why I never throw the plastic pots away, and I've literally got. Millions of them. Well, no, not literally millions, but I've got loads. Well, I wouldn't put it past you. Well, because of the number of plants that I purchase. So, but I do use them. I do use them again. Oh, I've also got seeds on the go. Sweet peas for next year. Some hardy annuals already in for next year. I'm done. I've, I've, I've got, started doing mine. I know. I've got two green, box. two little greenhouses on the go. Two little plastic ones out there now with it all in. We need to get you a gardening show. You should do a bit of a film, send it into Gardener's World. Um, you must be buzzing for today's show, Jan, because it's something you've been waiting to talk about. Yeah, I am. We're talking about fruit and veg or growing well, your own hey, food. Hey, lovely. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. Which about is something this. you've done this year. I've done it at the beginning of the year when I had a garden a little bit, but we are pure amateurs compared to the guests that we have on today's show. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by. I, I will use his name, but you might not recognise him by his name. It's Sam Caulfield. Sam, welcome to the show. How are you? And I should also say that you're well known on Instagram as the hairy horticulturist. I am indeed, yes. I think more people refer to the hairy horticulturist than they do my actual name now. But um, yeah, which is quite <laughs> Just even funny in person. sometimes. Yeah, that's it. They, they spot me from afar and they go, hang on a minute. Well, I recognise that beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've really like made made a name for yourself for that. Yeah, um, it looks amazing for people. Well, I'll share. We'll we'll do a screen grab later, guys. Yeah, and I've got to show people because Sam, you can't have that and not show it off. Um, <laughs> welcome to Into the Foliage. It's lovely to have you here. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very good. Very busy. Even this very time busy. of year. Yeah, starting to tidy the garden up and um, 
I've got loads and loads of work on. A year ago, we moved into an old mill. So I'm living in oh, wow. this old mill now that we're doing up, but we're leasing it. We don't own it. Yeah. So I'm having to do all the work inside and we've got four acres outside <gasps> as well. So yeah. Wow. Oh, Jan's thinking about all the aliens. <laughs> yeah. Where can I plant them? <laughs> She's like, just think of it. Allium heaven. Yeah, not even in pots either. Um, that is, that is, mate, four acres. That's four massive, acres. isn't it? It is, yeah. What are you going to do with it? We're, we're going to do something that I'm really keen on. So like a mixed small holding which I think is an important way to go. So we're going to be doing loads of different things. So cut flowers, veg. Um, I'd like to do a bit of charcoal burning. And the Mm. idea is to get people onto our farm, onto our land, and let them have an explore and, you know, spend the day here and do little events and stuff and try and get people to understand how you can do this on a small scale rather than such, you know, you know, like I don't want to have a huge farm. I was just doing like one thing. I really want to yeah. be able to do, yeah, loads of different things. So it's really exciting. It's a lot of hard work, and you know, I, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> it's not for. I don't think it's for everyone. Like I, I do have a job as well. So I work a couple of days at the Lost Gardens of Heligan as well. So, oh wow! The mill is right next to the garden, so it's the old mill which was part of the estate. So it's a flour mill. God, mate, your life. Oh, I know it's, well, it's taken a few a years to get here. <laughs> no, I'm sticking with this. I'm no, right, no. <laughs> like, no, I can see your house in the background, Ryan. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. um, amazing. Well, Sam, welcome to the show. Do you want to start by telling us who you are and what is it you do? I'm Sam Caulfield. I'm also known as the Hairy Horticulturalist. I do a lot of social media content, helping people grow their own veg, as well as businesses as well. So, and I do it in a a fun and silly way. I I I don't want to be too serious because the world of horticulture is kind of filled with phallic objects, isn't it? You know, <laughs> cucumbers and everything like that. It's, and I think and I I think it gets stuck in your head. If you make someone laugh when you're talking about something, then they'll yeah. go and talk to someone else, and and they might not have an interest in gardening or horticulture, but it's in the back of their head and then the, when they're out somewhere they'll they'll i don't know if they're at farmer's market or something they'll go oh i saw this guy online and he was having a laugh about an aubergine or something you know and then, <laughs> and, then and then they'll go and buy it you know they'll buy it from the farmer's market and that's that's great yeah that i feel like that's my job done and then uh on top of that i get millions of questions every day from everyone and i try and i try and respond to them and answer as much as i can yeah, well honestly, and yeah. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. I've got to say, I was looking at your Instagram and I never thought I'd ever say this to, I was going to say a man, but a, a person, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But I was in awe of the photo of your cherry tomatoes. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it, was, it was, there was a picture of just your like mixed medley. Oh, yeah. Mate, I've been slow roasting cherry toms all year. Yeah, and that well not all year, but seasonally. When I saw that picture, I was like, I need them in a tray in the oven on eighty degrees for three hours. That's it. It's it's all about. That's what I'm all about. Is is trying to show people all the different types, varieties, colours. You know, there's so much choice, and that's what gets I think gets people hooked. Is you, you grow a tomato one year, and then you, you spot a different variety, and you think, Hang on a minute, I I really want to try and grow that one, and I like to try and introduce people to something a bit different. 
when they're, yeah. they're searching, you know, because that's, that's part of growing is being able to search online and look at different seeds and, you know, you get lost in the world of different tomato seeds. And yeah, I spend hours looking at new varieties and, and stuff I can showcase next year and things that will taste good as well, because mm. sometimes I've had some that taste absolutely crap. You know, they they look they look completely beautiful. They'll be the, the most beautiful cherry tomato ever, and you think, oh They're god, evil. that's stunning. Yeah, and you eat it, and you get that's bland, that's disgusting. I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna do that. That's a waste of time. So it's 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 all trial and error. It's it's all trial yeah. and error, and and even when you think you got it right, yeah, e- even when I, I've been doing the horticulture for like 19 years, and you still find things and go, that didn't work. Why did that not work? I know what I'm doing. <laughs> See, I've got an excuse because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) So, like, how does wildlife, what does that mean to you in your job? Like, what does wildlife and nature mean to you? For me personally, I I know in the world of horticulture and growing, it it is really important. And and I think lots of people understand that. But for me personally, I've worked within wildlife for quite a long time. Um, Mm. So I, I used to... I I still do. That's my job now at Heligan Gardens. Is I'm their conservation officer or or whatever you want to call it. And I started doing that uh, ten years ago. And I've I've done it on and off for them. But through that, I was fortunate enough to work for the BBC. So I used to be a cameraman doing mini cams. I did oh, a lot cool. of of that. So so yeah, I I I'm lucky that I have an understanding of working on both sides. And kind of through that, you realise how important the natural world is. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's so important to growing veg. Yeah. You know, you, you work with it every day and, and you fight against it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone, yeah. Yeah, you have everyone has nemesis in the garden. And yeah, I, I've looked at it from the other side. And, and so I can kind of go, ah, oh, well, I don't like you, but I do. <laughs> and, uh, I'll just have to live with it, you know. I, Mate, I've got friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed being able to be part of that world and and filming natural history and looking at it mm. from a different angle. Having I'd already worked in the gardens at Heligan for ten years, so yeah, to be able to then it's like a crossover. I always say like if you're doing anything outdoors, there's so many different options for you to follow. You can go into horticulture and then you can go off into conservation or to forestry. You can do farming, uh, and they all intertwine and they're all really important. I always say you want to do everything you can if someone gives you an opportunity in this sector you take it it might not be something that you're really passionate about but you that way you'll learn more yeah and i think that's that's really important that's a really good point yeah i've never considered that because you're right there's so many routes in the world of working outdoors yeah no definitely i think nature it is is at the heart of, i mean the week we're talking we're currently recording of the week two of cop 26 and oh yeah it it should take precedent in everything that we are doing, whether it is, like you said, whether it's forestry, whether it's, you know, farming, whether it is ecology work or habitat restoration, yeah. anything. It should be at the top. And because without that, if it starts to dwindle, then so does all the outdoor jobs. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. It just, it just starts to go. So it's, yeah. it's a really good point, like you said, like no matter what job you go into, um, really, it is at the heart of it as well. Um but yeah. today we're talking. I mean, the listeners would know by now. But we're talking about our fibre day, our fruit and veg. And Sam, yes. you're a king in this yield. So, how did you get into growing your own food? I'd always done it from a young age. I think 
uh, like a lot of people, it's your parents and grandparents, I think. They, they had a huge influence. Like, I, I've always done it in the background um, from a young age. And then, probably seven years ago now, I left Halligan and by chance I got offered to grow some veg at a pub, um, my local pub, <laughs> where I happened to drink, which was quite handy. That's handy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, but the pub just asked you to grow veg. Yeah, they, they knew I'd, I was... I'd been working at Helligan and I, I'd I'd left at that point and they just said, well, we were thinking of doing a bit more in our garden and they had a couple of acres around the pub. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll come along and start doing a little bit. And from there, it just kind of led on and got bigger and bigger until it was, I think it was about an acre and I had multiple polytunnels. And, and so oh that really God. helped me kind of uh, hone my craft I suppose you you can do it a little bit but when you do it mm. full time every day it becomes an obsession I think a lot of people will say that you'd, you know I'd, yeah. even if it wasn't my job I'd still wake up every morning and think right what am I doing with the plants oh I need to go and check them I yeah. need to open the tunnels I need to go so yeah that was kind of how I suppose I got fully into growing fruit and veg yeah it was that kind of chance drinking meeting <laughs> Kind of thing. <laughs> well, you don't you don't get that at Weatherspoons. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're about to tell me it was a Weatherspoon. <laughs> no, but no. I've got a feeling, thankfully Sam, it wasn't. <laughs> no, thankfully. <laughs> oh, so in the world of veg, well, is it just veg? You've got fruit as well. Fruit yeah, I do. Veg. I do fruit as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what have been well tomatoes? Yeah. What have been your biggest successes and why? Um, I. I, for me, strangely, cucumbers, <laughs> and uh, that's um. I think a lot. That, <laughs> Why a lot are we of, laughing at cucumbers? Because Why everyone, are we laughing because at every, everyone laughs exactly. Everyone laughs at cucumbers, <laughs> and I think I became a little bit obsessed with them for a while. Um, <laughs> it became like this project where I would so at the pub we had a whole tunnel that was just cucumbers and I, I worked out how many the pub would need because it, it was a busy pub and it was like thousands so then I was like right I'm going to grow uh, over a hundred plants and I'm going to do it in a really scientific systematic way and at the same time have a bit of fun so yeah I, th- I think fun with cucumbers most years I was great I think I was growing about 2,000 cucumbers wow like what <laughs> Yeah. And, was that um, for gin and tonic? That was the gin and tonic season, surely, yeah, at the pub. that's... Well, and for Ooh. me to wave around, you know, floppy cucumbers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, the, the pub only needed 1,500. <laughs> that's it. But I, 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 I got right into, like, I'd give tours around the garden. I'd I'd tell people, I'd be like, I was really proud of my uh, cucumber patch. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's, there's loads of fun facts about cucumbers, um... They can help you with your hangover because of the water content. But also I was, I was trying to drum into people that if your cucumber goes floppy, you can still eat it. So uh, it's the reason why they're wrapped in plastic, <laughs> which I write hate. That down. <laughs> I would. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Sam. I'm, I'm a professional comedian for seven years. You cannot say that sentence to me because I had about eight jokes in my head going... <laughs> This is the kind of a podcast that does not need that. There I was going to say that's what I say to my girlfriend, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but that's what I tell people on a tour. I'd be like, I'd be like, you go to a supermarket and your cucumber is wrapped in plastic, and that is to mm. keep it firm and solid and not go floppy. 
which I hate because actually everyone is uh, in their head thinks a cucumber has got to be like that, but it's only like that when you pick it off the plant. As soon as mm. as soon as you leave it, it starts to lose moisture through its skin. But it's perfectly edible, just because it it has gone a bit limp. Doesn't mean you can you can't still enjoy it. <laughs> we're, we're not be able to, we're not going to be able to get through this. That's that's my oh. advice on cucumbers to you. My God, I'm crying. <laughs> I am 32 years of age and I cannot keep a straight face when we say if it goes floppy you can still eat it. <laughs> you're you're not the first person and you won't be the last that I tell that to. I know. <laughs> I mean, we've into the foliage has taken a turn this way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm I'm here for it, Sam. So those would you say those were some of your big ex- biggest successes? Then was the cucumbers because you put that time and that scientific plan into it. Yeah, it's something I'm proud of being able to grow that many and look after them. And yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but it it kind of gave me an understanding of the whole plan. And now I try and apply that to all different vegetables that I grow. You know, they all have um, different needs and different pests and different problems and lots of people want to know about that you know they they want to know the details and and yeah you know i've managed to gain that knowledge which is handy and you never stop learning in horticulture so there's tons more stuff that i'll I'll keep learning and nice and so we've got to ask the counter question what's been some of your challenging grows and and why there's only one and i absolutely i absolutely hate them and I still can't grow them properly, and that's aubergines. And really, however, maybe I've had a couple of years where I've managed to grow a few, but however hard I try, oh, they're just a nightmare. I hate them. They never, they never take. They never set fruit. I've tried loads of different methods. I've grown them in pots. I've grown them in grow bags in the soil in greenhouses. So you tunnels. don't even get the crop. Uh, if I do, they're small and pathetic. <laughs> And I just think, oh God, what was the point? I put all this, and I just don't, I just can't understand it. And and the annoying thing is as well, my father grows the best aubergines ever oh, in his greenhouse. No, that is the worst. I ask him, and he's, I, I don't know. I think he must like sing to them or something, you know, to get that. Kind Do you reckon of... he's keeping it from you? Do you reckon he's like yeah. Sam? You've got everything else. You're not having yeah. these aubergines. Of course, yeah, that's his thing. <laughs> Where are they? Do they do they grow well in this country? Yeah, yeah, indoors. Um, you can grow them outdoors, mm. but yeah, indoors they they seem to do really well. But I don't know if it's just having loads of insects. I'm never too sure. They're just they're just my nemesis, and I'll probably never find out why I can't grow them. But shall the three of us do a challenge next year? Shall we try? Shall we all of us try? Yeah. Do you know what? I was actually just fit, but I haven't got room for it. If you have to grow them indoors, you yeah. might because you. But I've, I've, me. Can't, no, I mean, you could go on... Yeah, but you're in London. You know, the climate is just... Exactly. I've got a two-bed flat in Highgate. I ain't got room Yeah, but you could probably climb on your t- windowsill. It's, it's, your climate <laughs> is so much warmer, isn't it, there? So yeah, yeah, that's I'd, true. You could probably that do it, yeah. You, you, yeah, you've got like a micro-climate there, haven't you, really, in London? It's we really have, yeah. It's 32 miles. degrees, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's worrying. Just, it's very worrying. <laughs> so when you started growing, what did you start with, Sam? What can you recommend to new growers? I started with tomatoes. But I I don't think they're the simplest thing to grow. I, there's a lot of maintenance on them. But yeah. I, I, I know why, because you're guaranteed to get tomatoes at the end of the day. But I called it the three C's. So I said courgettes, cucumbers and cucumelons. Yes. There's two really common ones and you can both grow them indoors and outdoors. And uh, cucumelons, mm. you can do the same, but they're slightly unusual. And I find it's something interesting for people to try. 
And I'd say most of the time yes. they work really well. So I don't, I don't know if you know what a cucumelon is. So it's also called a Mexican like little, sour gherkin. Little. Yeah, they're, mm. they're, they look like mini watermelons. Um, Good in gin and tonics again, aren't they? Yeah, great in gin and tonic. They have a slight sharpness to them, but for mm. 90% of the people, that's lovely. But about 10% find it really bitter and they hate them. <laughs> And I've given tours and got people to try them, and they've gone, that's disgusting, why would you ever grow them? And and I, I slowly <laughs> realised that it's just these few people who just can't stand them, but they they do great, and they grow really well, and I grow loads of them every year. And at the pub, I probably grew thousands of them. And Amazing. We'd, we'd sell them on the bar, and they'd have them in the drinks, and, yeah, they'd, they'd do them with fish dishes and stuff because of the um, tartness to them. Yeah, they're, they're great. And moving on from that, Courgettes, easy. Courgettes is so great easy one. to grow. Yeah, they yeah. are. Actually, yeah, we did them on our compost bin. We grew oh, them on brilliant. top of the um. That's Carly. She 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 built compost bays out yeah. pallets, and she put them on top of that. Oh wow! Yeah, but we we they do well. Yeah, but we we couldn't eat them. But I don't like them very much. I think they're a bit watery. But oh, I love a courgette. Mm, they're right. But we they by the time we got over there, well, they were like great big. Marrowy things, you know. So that's what I like about yeah, them. When they've gone too far, yeah, yeah. They were going back on the compost heap, you know. So, but I didn't feel guilty because Monty said, "Don't feel guilty about it." So <laughs> yeah. Oh God, he said, "You know, it's all going back in. It's all going back in. It's going back in the ground." If if Monty says it, that man is <laughs> God on this show. <laughs> so he's like setting the Ten Commandments. <laughs> So the three C's, so cucumbers, yeah. cucumelons, and courgettes. courgettes. That's cool. I've, gr- I've grown courgettes, and my dad's grown cucumelons, I think. I think he got them in a set. I think I got him a cocktail set, and they came in that. Oh, yeah, oh. probably, yeah. They're, they're, they were quite popular a few years ago, and they kind of go along, and they're, mm. some years everyone's growing them, and the next year everyone's like, no, I'm not going to have that. They taste disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what about potatoes? I found those really easy this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, potatoes are great. They're so simple and you, you don't need any space. You know, you yeah. can just chuck them in a pot, chuck them in a bag. Yeah. I know, pe- I know people just buy bags of compost and they mm. will just cut the, yeah. cut the top open, roll it down, shove them in and that's it. Keep them watered. Yeah, you don't you don't need to. Do yeah, it. and you could you can use that compost after, can't you as well? Exactly. exactly yeah, yeah. It's got it's 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 a bit de- depleted, but it's got good structure. Like any any soil or compost that you've used in pots or containers, you just need to yeah. recycle it. And yeah, yeah, it's got great structure to it. So that's that's a really yeah that's a really good point to reuse it. Yeah. I found it so satisfying digging that potatoes. Like, and I could, it was just, I could see the point of it. You put one in and get loads yeah. out, like loads. That's with true. onions, I, I couldn't, it seemed to me with shallots, like you put one in, you got one out. I thought, what's the point of that? You know, <laughs> you know what is the actual point of that? But with, with potatoes, loads. We still keep finding them. We still... That's the thing with potatoes. Don't ever put them straight in the ground. Yeah. Always put them in something. Yeah, we did. You'll be finding them for years. Yeah. They'll be growing two miles down the road. It's fun, though. It's fun. Yeah, you've just supplied Britain with spuds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pop it up. Um, So, like... 
there's, there's been a bit. I mean, obviously, we've been in the last two years. We don't need to talk about the last two years. But with that, a lot no. of people have got into being around their own house and around the local community a bit more. And growing fruit and veg, I think, is something that people are really keen to do because it's something that's accessible for a lot of people that have any kind of space, even window boxes or balconies. So how is growing your own food good for you? I think it's both physically good for you. It's mentally good for you as well. I think it's getting outside. Even if you're not getting outside and you've got an allotment or a big garden, you're still, even if you're just stepping outside onto a balcony or a little space out the back of your house, I think it's it's great. And I, I also think it gives you an understanding of where your food comes from. And that's really important. And, and then you, you might take that, even if, even if you grow your veg and you fail and you think, oh, that's crap, I don't want to do that again. Um, at least you might be more kind of persuaded to try buying stuff from a farmer's market rather than the supermarket or yeah. from yeah. a stall or things just just those little things i think if you if you try it once you'll either get hooked or you'll have a, a good understanding of where your food comes from because so many people and and especially kids they they don't have a clue sometimes where their veg comes from um or how it grows you, you, yeah. you know whether it's in the ground or on a vine or a fruit that's come from a flower you know it's it's really important I think. And I think everyone should at least try it once. I don't think they should be put off thinking, oh, that's too complex or it's going to cost me loads of money. It's it's so simple. Talking of lockdown, people are starting up lots of little businesses, doing all these little grow your own boxes. And yeah, some really great ideas, just trying to encourage people to, to do it a bit more. Well, so how do you think it's helped you then, Sam? Because you've been doing it for a while now. Do you feel you you clearly still get benefits out of it? What What things do you get from doing it? For me now... After all this time, I find that me being able to give information back to people is what I get out of it now. It's not so much I grow loads of veg and I get loads of veg and I I've, feel like I've covered all my bases. But now being able to teach people and tell people how to grow their own veg in a kind of a, the fun and relaxed way is what I get out of it. I, there's lots of books and information on you've got to do it this way you've got to do it that way you've got to space your plants out there this and I, I like just telling people do it this way if you like if it doesn't work try it a different way that's that's mm. part of the fun of growing and and that yeah that really for me is something that I really enjoy being able to help people out that's really cool you know I, I always talk to people and tell people but being able to do it on social media and have such a huge audience from people all around the world asking me little bits of information and I think just responding even if it's a short sentence that's really important to to be able to just offer a little bit of advice and for people to go oh actually i can just ask online rather than having to troll through the internet for ages and not being too sure whether that's yeah. the way i want to go or whether that's going to work so yeah yeah that's definitely what what for me now what i get out of growing is definitely that's a huge part of it that's a really cool answer yeah that's really nice to say that the giving the giving back giving the the lessons that you've learned yourself back is is what you get yeah. out of it that's really cool so do you, do you think you sort of touched on this a bit before do you think that as a society we need to change our relationship with food improve our relationship with food? Oh, completely 100 percent. i think so much food is produced abroad and i re- i want to be able to show people if you buy something from a supermarket and it says produced in spain like this time of year tomatoes and peppers it's not produced on a little farm by some happy chap in his garden it's mass yeah. it's mass produced in huge plastic polytunnels that are polluting everything and that you know that mm. i want yeah i want people to really understand where their food comes from 
and to be able that you can source it locally. There's so many places. There's so many veg box schemes, CSE schemes, farmers markets. It's it's completely accessible, but you, at the moment it's not so it's not advertised enough. I don't think you can definitely you can find it if you look for it. But I want people to be able to. That's where they should be going. You know, go to the supermarket if you want. Of course, everyone goes to the supermarket, but try and look more locally to you. You know, if you're if you're passing by somewhere, you can pop into a farm shop or you can stop at the roadside to a stall or a stand. And yeah, I I, I really want people to be able to do that more, especially as we're all talking about climate change. And and I yeah, that's that's a that's a huge yeah. that's a huge part of it. It's 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 all right eating less meat, but sourcing your veg locally that has a huge effect if you're transporting stuff across the world you know to see you can have a few cherry tomatoes in january like we we are you know you know there are places in the uk that are growing tomatoes and peppers under led lights in glass houses that that is available but it's tricky pricing and Mm. yeah everything everything comes at a price i I, yeah i think that's a really good point because i had a moment this year i was at a wedding in chichester very hungover on the sunday was walking through Chichester High Street yeah. and the market was on and I saw a stand selling like mixed tomatoes from cherry to beef tomatoes and mixed medias yeah. and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, it's a little independent like tomato store. I'll go check it out. And for a little yeah. punnet of cherry tomatoes it was £4. Whoa. And I Pricey. was like, yeah. now I understand you're an independent company. I understand you've mm. put work and effort into this and you know, you might, your prices are your prices. But that is part of the big problem. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah. not everywhere. Like I, you know, in London we have farmers markets galore. We are probably more than out in the countryside. If I'm honest, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's one every Saturday and yeah. Sunday everywhere, and there are independent places that that do local, or at least Kent-based farming that's that's near London and stuff. But the problem is, is if someone can go to Aldi and buy a bag of cherry tomatoes for seventy p compared to yeah. their nearest farmer's market or nearest independent where it's a couple of quid. Like, even for me, that can be a decision-maker and, and someone that really doesn't want to be buying the plastic bags. So I think you're right. I think we need to really take that into... We need to take it into account where our food's coming from. But I also think... I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm ignorant saying this because I'm not a supplier, but there's there's got to be... It's got to be accessible because we need the masses yeah. to be able to all do it. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, it is that pricing issue and that's why i think growing stuff at home if you grow those tomatoes at home in season and you then think oh hang on a minute that that cost me a couple of quid in seeds and a bit of compost Mm. and i i had a tomato plant and i i grew myself a few punnets then at least that's kind of helping educate you and making you think a little bit about it yeah the the difference between prices in supermarkets and prices in farmers markets can be so huge that i completely understand if if you're shopping for your family and and you're on a low wage then then yeah you're you're always going to be going for the cheaper option you know so yeah. i i think we got to look for further afield with it i think it, it's yeah. it's not just at home you know i also think that if you if you were growing i mean Lots of people this year got hit with blight, didn't they? Yeah. Tomato blight. Mm. It was like quite bad. So you would you would know how much effort it took to actually grow a punnet of tomatoes, and that because it's not being done on an industrial scale, the work involved in trying, you know, that it is work trying to grow your own yeah. veg. Mm. And gardening 
it's enjoyable, but it is work. So when you said four pound, I thought, oh, I'm not rich by any, but that didn't seem unreasonable to me. I thought mm. you were going to say about twelve quid or something. <laughs> you know, I thought oh, it was a it's small money. <laughs> no, but I suppose depending how much you're going to eat them, isn't it really? Like I just think there's a lot of work involved in growing yeah. stuff, and if you're if you're going to grow it on a small-ish scale to sell, that you've got to cover your overheads, mm. haven't you? Like, yeah, you know, no, the, the time mm. and effort, also how much it's costing you to pitch up at that market, you know, the petrol to get there, yeah. the petrol. To, yeah. There's a lot involved in that, you know. So yeah, it's it is a tough one. It is a tough one. It's it is so it's so hard because, like I said, their prices are the prices, and they said and like. Like Sam said, there's a yeah. huge sliding scale yeah. on farmers' yeah. markets in pricing. And I mean, the the archway market down the road from me, I can, the, the fruit and veg is seasonal. It's Kent based, so it's just outside of London. I can go there and grab most of my weekly veg from carrots to this time of year. Well, we actually a few months ago, the asparagus yeah. was the last, and then you had like your tomatoes and all stuff like that. But all through, I can get a big bag. And Ooh, not yeah. spend over eight quid, and that'll be everything. And it's so so affordable. So my other, I, the one thing I, is, I guess it is important for me to say that. Yeah. Is like, don't be put off thinking that no, farmers. No, are they're not at all. They're not. No, because they're yeah. really, they're really not. They're really not. Mm. You've just got to find the one that works for you. It's how often you're able to shop, isn't it? Because we've got like in South End, there's a couple yeah. of greengrocers along the high street, and I've tried using them, and that their produce looks really good, and it is. But you've got to eat it quickly. Like it, you, you can't buy it, and like you mm. can if you buy in Tesco's, where you can buy peaches or whatever. I know they've all come from somewhere else, but anything you buy in Tesco's, it's grown to store and last, isn't it? Yeah. That they, yeah. But and if you buy ages, it, yeah. like fresh, you know, in a in a greengrocer's or a farmers market. You're probably going to have to eat it pretty sharpish, aren't you? Yeah. You know, like you, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. going to be able to leave. I mean, I've bought peaches yeah. from the from the green grows and thought, oh, yeah. And the next day there's like flies all like, coming out of them, you yeah. know, because they're sort of, <laughs> they're, they're ready to be yeah, eaten, yeah. you know. So it is. Is that what you class as ready? <laughs> now they're ready. No, you know, they're, they're like they've gone over really quickly, you know. I mean, in France, a lot on the whole, they eat, they buy what they're going to eat, yeah. don't they, that day a lot. of They shop in markets all the time. Yeah. So, um, but we're, that's not our culture is it it's not the way it works well it's it's only recent though isn't it really when i was a kid you still went to the mm. green grocers and your mum yeah. didn't go shopping like once a week like yeah. we we want to go shopping and then not have to think about it again for a week don't we yeah. really? i think it's your relationship with cooking as well though i think because sometimes you can buy the stuff and you can like you know if i bought some cherry tomatoes like i said i'd slow roast a huge tray and then once they're cooked and with the spices and all stuff like that you then can put them in a tupperware in the fridge and they'll last all week and you can yeah. use them for like pasta yeah. exactly. blend them yeah. you can do what you want so it's kind of like your relationship with cooking as well using the products to make them last yeah. rather than going store them yeah. and hope they last for when i need them it's like what are you gonna do yeah. With yeah. Them? you know cook them enjoy it. make a soup like you know stuff like yeah. that. you can freeze a soup and stuff so um well, that was a good there conversation go. about food <laughs> relationships <laughs> perfect we got into that then um well let's go on to the other side of the scale now sam so how does growing our own food benefit the natural world and wildlife i think at home and for yourself it definitely does i think it encourages more insects it provides more food for them and and in turn they pollinate everything that you're growing mm. i think it's a it's a bit trickier i think it's changing on uh like larger farm scale 
you can, you can look at one side and you can look at huge glass houses and they're having huge bee colonies and heart their own hives and stuff so they can pollinate so that's really benefiting but i think on farms it's a bit more tricky it's changing but i, th- I think we've done so much damage through pesticides and maybe that's partially just the way we've headed with the type of crops and everything's demand 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 like we need huge yields of wheat and barley and i think yeah maybe maybe we've turned a corner and there's lots of brilliant people out there looking at different ways on a larger scale of food production work working with the natural world yeah. but i think uh, just doing it at home doing a little bit is really important so if you're growing stuff at home and you and you're looking to have more insects then I always try and encourage as many as possible because they're so important. They're they're so important. Uh, they're essential, really, aren't they? Yeah, and I still can't get them to pollinate my aubergine. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> clearly not doing it well enough. Oh. And I'm trying. You know, they're essential, but even when they're there, they don't do the job. They, they, so. Yeah, they just think, oh, Sam doesn't need them for his aubergines. We'll leave them alone. We're going to Sam's <laughs> dad's. <laughs> He's got banging aubergines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What what actually, what pollinates aubergines then? Is it bees or is it a certain type of insect? I th- I, th- I think it's bees, hoverflies. I'm not sure if there's a specific type of insect, but hoverfly is so important. Yeah, that's what I've They're learned great. this year. If you if you if I was to end this year and someone said, "What have you learned?" I'd be like hoverfly are banging like they're great I, I mean they're so beautiful as well yeah. and they're so varied and my common sense would tell me but I never considered how much they pollinate stuff they're included as much as bees and wasps as well it's yeah. amazing what they do no we used to get I used to get loads in the polytunnels because I really they, they, yeah they were right next to some fields and so yeah you'd always get I'd always get loads in there I'd have the doors wide open I have like both ends so they can mm. get right in and out they're not enclosed and yeah, you get low. You yeah, I definitely probably find more than than I would have bees sometimes at certain times That's of the amazing, day. Isn't like, it? Yeah, oh. yes, it's it's great. So this is a question I've been looking forward to asking. Actually, I'm interested. <laughs> Here we go, Jan's oh, round. Oh, so I'm what? not I'm not single, Jan. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Is that not um. it? <laughs> Is that not it? She's read the room wrong. Oh, as long uh. as you bring your cucumber and your aubergine. Really <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, this question is, what are your thoughts on no dig versus dig? Are you a digger or a no digger? I'm a hybrid. So Very diplomatic answer. So <laughs> I, I think no dig is great, but because I like to do things a little bit different, I, I kind of... I don't do dig at all, but I'm a firm believer in a, applying compost to the surface. Yeah. yeah. I've always done that, but I'm probably just too clumsy with my feet, so I walk all over the bed sometimes. And, <laughs> you know, I, I might be... Yeah, it's kind of like... Yeah, I, I look at no dig and I think that's brilliant and it's great and it's worked... I've seen it work loads of people and they've been really strict on their beds and they've had the, you know, the 60 centimetre, 90 centimetre, tiny little strips that they've grown in and they've had great results. And all I've ever heard from people with no dig is how brilliant it is. And through getting my compost, I get green waste compost, just spread it on the surface every year. And that works great. And even if you're buying compost in bags, you can just apply it to the surface. And yeah, yeah, I've got nothing against no dig it's not for me being that particular with it but i see more and more people doing it and more and more people trying mm. it 
and I think that's brilliant. I think digging up the ground and we we do there's lots um at Heligan they still do double digging or it's more single digging so it's lifting the soil up putting manure in the bottom and then putting the soil back on and you work your way along like huge beds doing that um but I can see how that every time every time you're doing that you're bringing new weed seeds up to the surface you know Mm. you're turning the compost and you might be getting a great soil structure but I've spent hours weeding and I I don't really want to do anymore you know (laughs) I've got to say though, I mean, we we tried it. We've tried it at the allotment because it's our first year, and we yeah. we didn't really want to dig. We thought, right, we're going to try this, but we're doing it loosely. I mean, you know, we're not yeah. doing so. We've done the cardboard and the trying yeah. to put the comps on, but we've yeah, still yeah. had weeds. I mean, we've had we've had quite a lot of weeds. I mean, I don't know if there were weed weed seeds in the compost that we put down because we got That's some it. compost from a farm. So you you will get weeds, won't you? I mean, yeah, I I think unless you've got really sterile compost you're going to get some weeds and you're always going to get those windblown weed seeds yeah exactly you're always, yeah, you're yeah. always going to get that slightly unless unless you're somewhere where there's nothing around you which probably isn't great anyway if, if you know yeah. you're really barren around your garden yeah you're always going to farming in the sahara yeah that's it <laughs> but you're always going to get, i think you're always going to get some but i don't think anyone has none no i mean like, we've got like we've completely got, immaculate we've got quite bad bindweed at the allotment and that's even oh. with us doing no dig. You know, it's it's yeah. um, pretty bad. But then people along, they've got mare's tail. So, you know, I'm yeah. just glad we haven't got that. What's mare's tail? Oh, it looks like little Christmas trees when it, start, <laughs> when it starts growing. It looks like asparagus. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> it, it's pretty. It looks like asparagus coming up. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, God, that's bad. You know, it's only a few plots down. It starts off like little Christmas trees, but apparently the roots go down like miles. You know, it's, you can't get rid of it. It's just yeah, yeah, there. Horrible, yeah. Well, we've got also asked, Sam, why we've got you here, top, top tips. tips. For the listeners growing their own food, what are your kind of few top tips of lads and women and non-binaries of the world? What would, what would you say? Oh, top top tips is to grow stuff the way you want to grow it. That's always what I say to people. You can have 50 people tell you a different way to grow your potatoes, but actually do what you want and what works and enjoy doing it. Don't feel stressed about, oh, I've got to do it this way. Oh, oh I've done the spacings wrong. I've, you know, I've not planted that right. I've put it into a bigger pot or it's in too much of a small pot. You know, just do it how you want to do it and enjoy gardening that's uh, my important tip secondly is to just mess around and have fun and have a laugh those are the best tips i'm so glad you said those two (laughs) i'm so so glad that it wasn't like well with tomatoes you'll find i'm so glad it's just like yeah 50 centimeters with it yes make sure you do no that's not what i'm about that's not what i'm about no it's so good because i think People overthink and stress yeah. it. And it's like, if you can write how to do this on the back of a seed packet, it can't be that hard exactly. to just give yeah. it a go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. If they can fit it on a tiny, less than A5 bit of paper, yeah, then you're fine. You're grand, lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your big no-goes? Have you got any no-goes where you don't, like, don't grow aubergines? Have you got anything <laughs> where you're like, don't? <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got nothing that you shouldn't grow. I always say to people that, in gardening, there's so much repetition through the season, but that's something that you you have to do. You you'll, you'll do it year after year, 
and you'll spend the same as spending hours weeding and don't be put off by it because the more you do it actually the more you learn just little bits and bobs and so i would always say just don't say no to anything just try anything and see how it goes you know nice yeah just there's there's no plan which i think oh there's no point growing that i think yeah something if it it takes interest to you then try it give it a go yeah and i must say to listeners before i go on to the last question of the podcast next year we encourage you on into the foliage to try to grow your own aubergines and if you have success then sam welcomes a dm on instagram (laughs) yes please of the photos of your crop (laughs) send me photos so i can curse at my phone I Sam, I get I, you're a great guy. I really want you to get about a hundred photos. Of <laughs> yeah, I will. Oh, great! Next year, going. What are you on about, Sam? It's a piece of piss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so easy. <laughs> so easy. I'd say it's easier than cucumbers. <laughs> Never. Um, l- l- last question of the podcast, Sam, is if you could pass on one bit of advice onto everyone regarding the natural world, what would you pass on? Get outside and enjoy it. Don't look at it and think it's not for me. If you don't try it, then you'll never know. So I, I tried it years ago and here I am knee deep in it still and, and thoroughly enjoying in it. In a windmill with four <laughs> acres of land. That's it, running around. We're not we're not saying it's a guarantee, people. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot of hard work in between. <laughs> direct correlation is go outside and you will get a windmill. Yeah. You'll you're, you'll be doing it. Yeah, as long as you're enjoying it, as long as long as you're enjoying it, definitely get outside. That's my main thing. I say you can you can sit indoors all day working, but just stepping outside and in, embracing being outside, whether it's gardening or just going for a walk or yeah, just being in the natural world. You know, we're part of it, or as much as we're f***ing it up a little bit. Like, <laughs> yes, we're definitely part of it. <laughs> yes, we're part We're part of it, and we, we should be trying to work it out. And if you're not experiencing it, then you're, you're, you're not going to understand it. So, yeah. Yeah. Here, here. A hill I will die on. Absolutely yeah. true. Um, Sam, thank you so much for joining us on Into the Foliage to talk to us about fruit yeah, and Yeah, thank you. Thank no, you. No, thank you both. Brilliant. Absolute pleasure. Um, wish you all the best for the rest of the year. And Thank you. Good luck with your future four acres of land and your small holding. And your own machines. Yeah, we won't talk <laughs> about that ever again. <laughs> maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year, that's going to be it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, maybe be, you're gonna grow I'll be knee deep in them, running around. Sam's just going to go to the farmer's market and buy five of them and go, look what I've grown. Yeah, here they are. Um, Sam all the best and thanks so much for being on the show thank you thanks again for listening everyone if you'd like to keep up to date with the projects and work Sam is working on then you can do so on social media his tags are in the write up of this episode also you can follow us on social media at Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram And if you'd like to get in touch about Into the Wild or ask any questions or suggest any ideas for some episodes, you can email me at intothewildpod at gmail.com. A quick note to say that all the opinions and expressions expressed in today's episode belong to the person that said them and do not represent those opinions held by Into the Wild or anyone that we work with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, however running it is not free. If you'd like to support us and say thanks, then you can do so by buying me a coffee. Our Kofi link is in the write-up of this episode. Until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.